We're back live. My name is Mike Crawford. Welcome to the show. I thought it was important to start with that clip from our reporter. You probably already saw it if you're a big fan of the show, but uh, Rachel Ramon Donlin, who uh, went out to ask Mass Cannabis Control Commissioner Britt McBride some questions. Uh, Britt McBride uh, referenced us, I guess, in that clip, uh, but also referenced us on uh, Twitter this week. Uh, it's about uh, the NCIA forum that they had, the Illicit Market Summit, where they banned the press. And we went in and asked a question and uh, got in the uh, This Week in Weed from the Boston Globe, our video, as well as the uh, story that uh, one of the attendees wrote about the event. Uh, the story is called The Illicit Market Summit Bars Press Includes Local uh, Local who uh, locals, excuse me, I'm, I'm out of control today. Let me read that again. Illicit Market Summit uh, bans press, includes locals who were incarcerated. Uh, the author of that was Sean Birdie. It's on our website, midnightmass.substack.com. And we also have Sean Birdie in studio with us right now. So welcome, Sean Birdie. Thanks, Mike. And uh, he's the uh, person that was incarcerated that wrote that story, uh, former Boston firefighter. Former. Former. <laughs> and then he got busted as yes. a firefighter growing yep. pot in Boston. Uh, no. No, not Boston? No, not what Boston. City? Maine. Maine. Bri Bridgeton, Maine. Okay, so you were in Bridgeton, Maine growing wheat, uh, cannabis. Correct. But you at the time, you were a Boston firefighter. Yes. And you did federal federal time? Federal, uh, yeah. Federal uh, prison for cannabis growing. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you also have your partner here. I want to mention his name, introduce him. His name is Armani White. That's good. And you guys are partners with this company, EVG Farms. Yes, sir. That's right. Which has a, a 883 Hyde Park Avenue in Hyde Park. You're trying to open a cannabis dispensary, right? Yes. Uh, what's the application for? Like, is it growing? Is it retail? What retail. It, retail, okay. And like many people in the city of Boston, you're looking to have a host community agreement. That would be nice. Yeah, we'd love yeah. to. How long have you been waiting? As long as everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> We we uh, yeah we've been interviewing everyone uh, one after another every week about you know, how long you've been waiting. The other question you know is how much you paying? How much rent are you paying right now? Um, uh, well, a lot. It's not rent. Um, we purchased the property. You own, so a it's property. a mortgage. Okay. Um, so what's the mortgage a month? I I. Would you guess. Three to four, three, <laughs> yeah, three, too much. Three to four grand a month, maybe. So three to four grand a month you're paying uh, for a mortgage, and you have no revenue coming in from it. None. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that sounds a little better than other people, but still, it's three to four grand. I, I mean, that's still right. quite a bit of money each month. Um, so uh, you know, first of all, I guess since we started with uh, the NCIA, but I want to mention a few things today. Like we're wide open, like we always are for phone calls. So six one seven seven zero two two five four two is our listener number. You can call in early and often. <laughs> we don't really like the calls that repeat, but they get through, so I'm just laughing about it now. Call early and often. Like, people are supposed to vote early and often, right? So call in early and often, because later on you might get not get through. You know how that works. Our phones start lighting up. Um, I definitely want to mention, though, before we get into the, t the topic we started with, and uh, also the host community agreements and, and the cannabis stuff. I just want to make sure I mention uh, right from the top that open, you know, open discussion on WAF. Um, 
that's why I'm kind of out of it today. I got to be honest. To me, lost a member of the family this week. WAF, you know, um, pretty much grew up on WBCN. That was a tough loss. Um, you know, especially when you grew up on these stations, the Holy Trinity for me really is WFNX, WBCN, WAF, like growing up and just later on knowing some of those folks, like really becoming friends with people, doing events with them, working with them. And AF, you know, I'm more of a BCN type in a way, like my girlfriend, but we ended up having our home at AF, you know, in a lot of respects. She had a show um, at WAF for 34 years. She started at BCN, did six years there. But WAF, she had a show, the biggest local music show, uh, I think, in the nation, uh, the best show. I loved listening to her every Sunday night. I'm starting to cry. Uh, Bay State Rock with Carmelita. So uh, we can talk about that tonight because we lost uh, the Rock of Boston, WAF. I know a lot of people you know, will comment they don't like the playlist or the way the, the station was anymore. That, to me, doesn't matter. I didn't even listen to it that much anymore, honestly. But it's the history. It's the opportunities. It's the relationship. It's the family. And there were so many good things that that station did. And you may not know about them, but they raised a lot of money. They created a lot. They created people, you know, help people go professional in the, you know, the music scene, you know, from playing in bars to playing in stadiums. Like they did that. So uh, I just got to say, uh, you know, Mike Branch of 40, Carmelita, Anthony, uh, Mr. Scary, Mike Shue, Spaz. You know, there's so many good people that I've known over there. Bay State Rock Show. I'm just going to miss WAF if you want to call in and you want to talk about any of it. From Carmelita to AAF, you're free to do so today. And we may do something with her in the future. Um, the possibilities are there. I just want to say thank you to the music community in Boston and New England for reaching out to Carmelita for, for caring. You know, the, the amount of support she got when she got blindsided on Tuesday that the show was over after 34 years has been overwhelming and uh because of you I think she went from I'm done <laughs> you know she could be done she could be retired that uh she's looking into things so I'm, I'm not breaking anything but uh just thank you 617-702-2542 thank you for supporting and loving Carmelita and what she's done for local music and I met her because of the station, because I was in a band, promoting a band way back when. And uh, so you could say that station helped me and so much. It really did. AF was like family. So, But we're talking about cannabis as well today. And the phone lines are open, 617-702-2542 if you want to call in today. But uh, we'll start with Sean Birdie. Um, you wrote this story. You saw what was going on with the the kind of controversy <laughs> about NCIA, and I was hammering uh, NCIA and, and the commissioner, McBride especially. Um, but right. then you came with kind of a different opinion. Well, I you know I didn't. Um, I'm not I'm not coming from a place of journalism, and so when when it was described as a private meeting, it didn't strike me that oh you know press should be there or that's not that's not in my wheelhouse. Um, you know, I took the opportunity to, to, to tell my side of the story in a room full of law enforcement, which you don't get an opportunity to do that often. Um, you know, look, this is your enforcement of terrible policy has destroyed my life. Not as much as most, but still destroyed it. How many years in jail did you do? 
I, I, eight months in jail and uh, three years of supervised release. So not nearly as much as the next guy. But still, for three years they were in your life, plus the trial. Four years, yeah, five four, years, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. yeah. So for five years you were basically punished. And well, I'm still punished. After. Yeah, I'm still punished. After. Right, but the immediate, like you know, the real punishment for five years, and then I know there's. I'll, a I'll be honest. It, the the real punishment comes after your release. Mm. Um, it, it's, you know, the the financial difficulties never stop, um, and because you're a felon for life with with a federal felony, you are n- never granted. Um, the chance for an expungement. So when you go for employment, that is always going to pop up and you're always going to make minimum wage. And basically tell people what you did because I want people to understand this. This is a federal felony and you grew how many plants? Uh, 131. Um, Which isn't that much. Yeah, I think some people think it's a huge amount, but it's really not uh, that much. I'll I'll give you a square footage. was less than 200 square feet. There you go. It was a bedroom. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> do they count every like little every, clone every little yeah and i mean like for genetics yeah. 131 isn't a lot right no 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 not at all and in the clones i had didn't have roots but uh you know if you fight that then you, you, i mean you're dealing with the feds they they got they you. throw everything at that yeah well so so uh, yeah and then the, say you got to negotiate a deal to get out of this buddy right uh, look i just said hey i'm guilty get me get me put me away you know I'll i know I know, I know i'll just do it and get get it done, yep. and that, that's essentially what I told my lawyer. And yeah, so that's what I did. Um, I, I, I you know I could have I could have prolonged it and been on paid administrative leave like a lot of you know unions do for their for their members um, at the time. But I had a I had a grandmother who was um, suffering from Alzheimer's, um, and because of my my status as a civil servant, the media was all over me. Uh, and the only address that they had was the house I grew up in, which was my grandmother's. Uh, so I had I had media knocking on my grandmother's yeah, door at ten o'clock news, at night. You're a Boston firefighter, right? Right. So I had my grandmother ten o'clock at night. By her, you know, I, I had family within the three decker that we grew up in um, that would watch her. But ten o'clock at night, everybody's starting to go to bed. People are knocking on her door from Channel Seven, Channel Five, Channel Four, and I was just like, you know, this this wouldn't happen. If uh, if I just quit, so I, I quit the next morning, and just said, you know, I'll just find a job doing whatever, and until I time comes where I gotta go away, and that's what I did. And uh, you know, luckily I I put some work in at this job at a local family farm, and they said, you know, come back when you're out, and that's that's where I did. But but again, you you it wasn't it's a farm work. It's it's not anything that's ever going to pay well yeah um, it's not worth being a firefighter for the city of boston no 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 exactly for the pension right well i lost my pension lost my it. savings my 401k um and i had to borrow a little bit of money just to pay for legal fees mm-hmm. you so know you, so and you lost that lifestyle too i guarantee you like that security of having a well right and, and you know when i grew up um and this is something i told the the um law enforcement at this summit i said when i grew up my, my parents you know i grew up in the 80s recession hit um Jobs were lost, houses were lost, moved into a triple decker with grandparents, great grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins. It was just you know fit in where you can um and and being that poor never really I never really noticed it at a little age yeah, at you a don't young think age about it when you're, you don't you're... think about it until until I hit my teens right. and uh you know the old man takes off, and you're stuck with your mum going to grocery stores. 
that are outside of your neighborhood because she doesn't want to embarrass her kids. Yeah, with by, the by with, welfare, with the with the welfare yeah. coupons and the, and the food stamps, um, because my friends were bagging groceries. Sure. So that's when it first hit me. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm kind of poor, <laughs> you know. That's this is why I can't go on family vacations or get that toy or that Nintendo or whatever it is that was you know everybody else had at the time. Um, so I ended up leaving high school and going into the military. And once that happened, my mother remarried and her life got exponentially better. My old man who had left years prior became a Boston cop and his life got better. But I remember what it was like to be poor, right? right? And I couldn't rely on them anymore as an adult. Uh, So that stuck with me as I was a firefighter. And even though I was making good money, I had that fear of of going Losing into it. poverty right. again, right? And you don't forget. And not only that, but you, you, you know, I wanted weed, <laughs> you know, and and I was dealing with guys I would buy it off of. They're like, "Aren't you a firefighter now?" It's like, so fucking what? <laughs> it's like yeah. you just buy some weed. Yeah. And so instead of dealing with that stigma from my own guy, I was just like, you know, I'll just grow my own, right? And not have to deal with this nonsense, right? And that that's um, that's how kind of my roundabout way of getting to where I got. And you said you were in the military. What uh, did you serve in the military? Marine Corps. Marine Corps. Yeah. Wow. U.S. Marine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How many years were you in that? I, two. two. I, I, I got hurt and uh, got discharged a little early. All right. Yeah. So you're a U.S. military veteran as well, uh, former Boston firefighter. And I bet you're the only one that's ever been <laughs> so far from Massachusetts. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. There was a Boston firefighter especially because that's a big city. A lot of focus on you. And a U.S. military, especially uh, Marines, uh, that got busted with a hundred plants and did federal time, especially. I mean, that just yeah, pretty it, pretty unusual. Uh, you know, um, I don't I, I don't make the decisions on on cases that are prosecuted, but um, I just found it odd at the time. You know, it was my first offense. I've never been in trouble before in my life, nor have I had been since. Um, it just seemed odd to um, bust somebody for growing a plant. Yeah, it seems like political. I think probably it was. You never know. Never know. But never uh, know. especially maybe just for the press, they wanted a good story. And possibly, possibly. <laughs> you know, and, and it was funny because I I had the opportunity. When, when you know, when you take a civil service test, uh, you, you you can you can write down which jobs you want to apply for, and I applied. Because my mother asked me to, <laughs> she said, "Just put down the Boston Police." I'm like, "I'm not gonna be a cop." Are you, are you kidding me, ma? She goes, "Just do it. Just do it. You never know." And they called me uh, for the test, and I said, "Absolutely not. No, thank you." Because <laughs> you like cannabis. So. That's exactly why. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly why. I said, I'm not, well, "It's so silly too." How, are you how many people somebody? have they excluded out of law enforcement because of that? Right. Well, what do, what I mean, gonna, I'm someone who immediately on any of this stuff would be like, "No way." Right. Because of the same thing. No, I, I'm not gonna take. Hundred grand a year to arrest somebody for doing the same thing yeah. I did. Yeah. No, not a chance. Yeah. Hopefully things will change. I'd love to see. I would love to see more law enforcement openly using cannabis versus drinking the beer. Oh, or, uh, <laughs> or steroids. Either one. Right. Especially the beer, though. I, I think that that's the most prevalent used probably for police, and they are on a lot of stress. Tons. So that's how they relieve it, and uh, I'd rather see them use cannabis. It just makes sense to me. Right. Agreed. Uh, so, uh, Marnie White, you're also running, I look like I got the 
the play card here. You're running yeah, a a vote. Card. Armani White on March 3rd. Are you voting for the Democratic State Committee? That's what I'm guessing, right? Yes, sir. Oh, you are. So okay. every four years you get to vote for oh, Speak right in that. Oh, okay. Right. Sorry. Every four years you're able to vote for your Democratic State Committee person as well as your ward committee representatives in your neighborhood. It's 22 wards in Boston. And there's um, 40 Senate districts in Massachusetts. So I'm running for the second Suffolk. And I also have a slate on the ward of uh, Ward 9. So, yeah, I'm, running, I'm a long-time Boston resident, lifelong third generation maybe even. Um, and I'm a community organizer. My goal is to, like, make the city a better place and um, also to own a <laughs> retail marijuana store along, among with, you know, all the other goals I have in life. But um, Let me ask you a question because yeah. you run in Boston. Yes, sir. One of the, like, for our audience, we have – a couple issues that are huge number one is cannabis sure but another one that like it's not really about the issue but it's kind of about who's serving in a way mm. are you a renter or do you own i'm a renter well, there you go that's a big plus for a lot of people because <laughs> we see on the city councils almost every time it's only people who own property who are on the city councils is it true pretty much yeah like mm. in bought you know in the big cities anyways boston somerville cambridge mm -hmm. um couple people won like you know recently that were renters and they've met even malden like it's almost always people who own property who mm -hmm. are on the city councils we found in so it's good yeah. to have some representation yeah from renter representation i think what's also important is just to have like more regular people too like I, I don't know a lot of people i mean i'm a regular guy i'm not like i didn't I haven't been into politics, I'm not a career politician. I'm just a regular guy who decided to run uh, because I felt like we could we needed re better representation. I mean, uh, you know, I think it's important to have diversity of representation and also to have regular people, you know, regular people that smoke marijuana that do the things that regular people do, come from the neighborhoods and backgrounds that regular people come from, so Democratic State Committee, State Committee coming yeah. up on March 3rd is a big vote. March 3rd, yes, sir. When you go to vote for president, you'll see right at the bottom, um, Armani White. So your name's on the ballot. It's on the ballot, right next and to... For the presidential primary. For the president. And so that means early voting, too, right? Yes, yeah, so tomorrow. A, you can tomorrow. go in tomorrow, City Hall, Boston, and select my name if you live in the second Suffolk. And that means that you're in... Um, if you if you have Sonia Cheng Diaz as your senator... That's uh, her district, so anybody in that district can go. So let me ask you that question, because yes, if sir. you're in Boston and not in the district, yes. You so you, it's like Bo like Boston isn't anyone that lives in Boston can't vote for you. Is that what you're saying? No, yeah, you can Not all of Boston can. So vote it's got to be Sonia Chain. Yeah, the second Suffolk district, okay. the second so yeah, which is like South End, Roxbury, Dorchester, a little bit of Dorchester, um, a little bit of Mattapan. What about Brighton, Alston? No. Hyde Park, no, no Brighton, okay. Alston. Hyde Park, and then J.P. Mission Hill. Okay. I'm just checking because we got some people listening. I've noticed, and I know where they live. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, good. So uh, shout I, out to the people listening, yeah, supporting uh, radio and Young Jerks. Yeah, good people. Six one seven seven zero two two five four two. If you want to call in right now, we got Talk two business. two gentlemen. One one's running for office, but they're partners in a cannabis business, right. EVG Farms. They're hoping to get a host community agreement hearing in Boston. Um, they have a location, 883 Hyde Park Avenue in Hyde Park, that they own. Now I'm going to ask you guys a bunch of questions about this because this is, you know, Boston has become kind of crazy. Like, you know, we finally see some opportunity. We had Kobe on a few weeks ago. He got licensed. Lucky man. Yeah. But everyone else is now waiting for them to change everything. And it's supposed to be for our own, you know, for to help folks like you. But how long is it going to take? 
what do you guys think about Boston right now? We'll take the phone call, too. Before you answer, let's see who's on the phone. Maybe they have another question. Or they want to let you answer. Who's on the phone? Hey, guys, it's Grant. See, How I are you doing? It, I knew it was Grant. <laughs> hey, Grant. Let's go, Grant. <laughs> I, I just had to keep up the weekly tradition, and I actually wanted to ask uh, Sean a question about the NCIA Summit, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So I feel like the, ten- the root of the tension between some of the regulators, law enforcement, and the community is that and the dispensaries, is that some people are pushing a, an approach that would use police officers and tax agencies to target the traditional or unregulated market. And it seems to be that that's causing a lot of tension because it sounds like returning to the drug war. So I'm just wondering, as opposed to that proposal, what other types of sort of pathways to uh, regulated status do you think the state could roll out, like an equity loan fund or amnesty, as sort of an alternative to the dispensary and law enforcement proposal that seemed to be at the heart of that tension? I, so I think I, I was reading an article on um, the Illinois rollout, and there was an, I don't know if they're called ward members or aldermen or city councilors in Chicago, but one of them um, was talking about the peddler's peddler's license. Um, And, you know, that's going to open up more pathways if they can figure out how to... So so I did have conversations with some people at the NCIA summit about that uh, peddler's license and bringing it to Massachusetts. And I think the idea... Uh, wasn't lost on them, um, but how to regulate it seemed to be um, difficult for some to wrap their heads around. So I think if if some of us can figure out uh, how to do their jobs and, and you know make it quote unquote safe, um, you know I, I think that could go a long way. But that's how look you know Armani and I are, are going to be going for one of Boston's 52 licenses. And even if we get it, th- that's not going to ad- even come close to addressing the harms of the drug war. Um, you know, it, let's be honest, that's just uh, tokenship if you, if, if, if you think about it. Um, you know, there, there were more than 26 people that went to jail for weed. There were more than 26 people from Mattapan, Roxbury, parts of Dorchester that were constantly under the boot heels of the law enforcement. So we've got to come up with a way that um, opens up more pathways. And one of those I see is social consumption and delivery. And even then, it's not enough. I I think we come up with some type of peddler's license. You You know, for a long time, Massachusetts hasn't been able, or at least Boston, uh, they never allowed food trucks because they couldn't um, figure out how to regulate that. They have them now, um, and they figured out how to do it, and you attach it to a brick-and-mortar kitchen. So I think there's ways of doing those things if we can figure out as a community how to regulate it. Because, you know, I know myself and a lot of others are constantly thinking the CCC is the enemy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm as guilty as the next, but... I, I do believe they are open to suggestions on, on how to do this. And the easier we make their job, I, I think the more opportunities we can help provide our own people. 
Grant, you still there? Oh, yeah. That I mean, that was that absolutely uh, on point, and I think that that's a really good uh, proposal. I would just ask, uh, do you think to complement that, the uh, the state would benefit from providing low interest or no interest loans to applicants to sort of expand the pool of people who, as you said, can start applying for these licenses? Sure, of course. Um, you know, Armani and I had to find investors for this. Um, I would much have, I would have much preferred gotten to have gotten a loan or gone to a bank and got a loan. Um, my, my fear is that if we concentrate, and I could be wrong, I've been wrong before, but my fear is that if we concentrate on providing low interest loans uh, through the state, that the time it takes to do that for however long it takes, I mean, we've seen how long government takes to work, um, that some type of banking um, will be fixed at the federal level. And at that point, everybody can apply for a loan. You got a solid business plan, you got some collateral, um, you'll be able to get that loan. So I, so I think it's a good idea, but I, I don't know that, um, I don't know if it's the only one we should go for. Does that make any sense, Grant? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that you hit the nail on the head again, because it is a question of, you know, do we think the Safe Banking Act will get through Congress before the state legislature could do something in terms of the loan fund? So I agree. Hitting it from as many angles as possible seems to be the best solution. And uh, thank you guys for taking the questions tonight. Thank you, Grant. I got another question for you before you leave. Sure. I want to ask all three of you the same question. It's uh you know, basically, you, you were talking about the NCIAA. I'm sorry, the NCIA. It's not basketball. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, 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 I'm, like, totally forgetting exactly what angle I was going on this question, so I'm, like, drawing a blank, which has been happening more and more, like, on the show today. <laughs> I think it's because of the AAF thing. But uh, I know I'll get to it in a second if I give myself enough time. It's not the week. Yeah, no, it's not, never the weed. We, never, we, never. Weed makes us remember over here. Maybe it's I haven't had enough good weed there today. You go. But, you know, I'll remember in a second before I let you go, Grant. Are you, are you still there? Yeah, no rush. Just uh, enjoying my pre-bedtime uh, cannabis myself. So. Oh. I'll remember it as soon as you hang up the phone. Like you do, We're leaving the audience waiting. Grant's for, a weekly caller? Sometimes. Contribute. He's a contributor, too. Contributor. He, he writes for us. He sometimes co-hosted the show. He started nice. out as a caller, actually. Nice. But, yeah, we have a lot of regular callers, and he's not, like, our number one caller. He usually calls every week. Um, I guess I wanted to ask you uh, about the NCIA event, more about that. Um, we had mentioned, you had uh, mentioned about, you know, what it was about, uh, you know, the kind of controversy about, you know, taxation and all of that. Do you guys think that they should be going after taxation? Let's do a round table. Do you think that there are instances where they should be going after tax money for this, for people who are doing it outside of the system? If there's a wolf, so if, if, if there's a pathway to get licensed, you should be taking that. Um, it, 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 the only problem is that the pathways are very hard. Very hard. Um, so as it stands now, as it stands say, now, no, I don't think anybody should be fined or criminalized for working on the illicit market right now because the barriers to entry are too high. And, and, until, and until they're lowered, and people have a pathway to get a license, um, 
I just, I just assume leave them alone. They're no different than the rest of, you know, they're, no, they're, they're doing nothing different than what I did. And I don't think I should have went to jail for it. Right. I don't think I should have been criminally penalized or civilly they're penalized. They're saying it won't be criminal. It's just going to be civil. It's going to be tax money. Well, yes. <laughs> but that's because the, that's because the people. So at the, at the event, um, the law enforcement, not a one of them called for arresting. They were like, we just don't want to deal with this. We've got too much on our hands with opioid crisis. And, and that, was, that was local, state, and uh, federal agents that were all saying the same thing. They're like, we just don't have time for weed. It was really the, the some existing businesses, and it was really, from what I could understand, um, different regions, because California's a, a, just a whole other ballgame. You've got people out there ripping off counterfeiting name brands, counterfeiting lab re- well, results. Open, they have shops open that aren't legal. <laughs> right, right, and they'll, 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 they'll be on Leafly, or, or not Leafly, but the uh, weed maps... And yeah. then they'll get shut down, and a day later they'll come up, and it'll right. be CBD only, you know, in parentheses. I, I mean, so, you know, at some point, you know, we do have to start considering consumer safety. You know, it's not just about getting licenses, but, but until, you know, people get licenses that are, that are working on the uh, legacy market, um, no, no n- nobody should be getting fined. What do you think, Grant? Um, so this... Uh a tough one for me because as much as I want to believe that it is just about civil enforcement, I followed the uh, Massachusetts task force bill that was proposed by the Commonwealth Dispensary Association, Hannah Kane, and a group of law enforcement officers, uh, H4168. And you know who, wait, wait, before you get into that, I love this, Grant. Who else, didn't she testify in support of it? Did Britt McBride testify in support of that? Uh, correct. So on the, I was at the hearing as well um, on the bill, and uh, Commissioner McBride testified in support. I testified uh, against, and the State House News Service included both of our comments on it. So uh, that was an interesting hearing. So, so the CDA, the Commonwealth Dispensary Association, big cannabis, because she mm-hmm. keeps saying it's about law enforcement, and what Sean's telling me is law enforcement doesn't care. <laughs> they don't even want to deal with it. And that's what it seems like to me in a lot of cases now. But who really cares? Is the big cannabis? Is that and that seems? That's that's kind of what I got. And Not big, and, I, and and Britt McBride, and Hannah Kane, the prohibitionist. So go ahead, Grant. I'm sorry to interrupt yes. you. No, no, of course that was what really worried. That was right on point. What really worries me is that even though law enforcement not, might not might not want to be involved, the mindset that, as you said. Um, the Commonwealth Dispensary Association and uh, a few of the commissioners have been pushing is is trying to push law enforcement to be more involved. And that's what I was going to say with the task force. That task force, it wasn't just set up to collect 60% uh, on the dollar tax revenue on estimated profits for illegal businesses. It was also set up with the head of the state police as the chairperson of the task force. And if you read into the bill, what it said was that the goal was to make it easier on law enforcement to deploy their resources by centralizing a stream of reporting. And so what the dispensaries were trying to do was trying to leverage offering police an easier pathway to consume information about illegal sellers and then target them. And that's what really worried me. Definitely. Thank you for your call, Grant. I really, Amani, you want to add anything to this as well? Yeah, no, I I think... Basically, I would agree with what Sean said, and I don't know. I don't know I'm, I'm not the biggest expert, honestly, 
<laughs> to be honest with you, I try to stay up and up, sure. um, but I really just don't think that it makes sense to find people um, without access. Um, it, you know, I think it's it's a shame that there's people in prison at all right now right. in jail for you know nonviolent drug possession, um, and then there's stores opening. I just think it's messed up. It's honestly. outrageous. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's outrageous so, that Sean doesn't have a, a expungement on a federal level at this point either. Right. Right. Um, I, I I think Sean's one of the best people around, and it really yeah. frustrates me that it's we're, good guy. we still Thank have people, <laughs> you know, Thanks. suffering in Massachusetts. Yeah. It's like, why do we allow this? Um, there's so much we could get into on this. I want to ask you all another question about this. Do you think the poll that we put out, because we put a poll after all this happened, we were, I was frustrated. And before Sean submitted his story, which I thought was, you know, I think we're fair. Uh, you know, sometimes we push a little bit. I think, you know, going back, I just remembered my question, too. Because um, I think I think sometimes people miss, you know, I, I've been involved in a lot of campaigns and I think that sometimes we need uh, to do both. I think we need to do both things. And what I mean by that is what Sean did this week was go inside. And what we kind of did is throw rocks from the outside. <laughs> you know, like it's like good cop, bad cop. Inside, outside. And I think that both works, especially when they're done together. Um, I think a lot of times people are only inside or outside and they, they, they don't like have respect for the other one. And I've done both. Sometimes I'm the insider. Sometimes I'm the outside. So I think, do you, do you guys agree on that? I, I, I agree with you. I'm not comfortable doing being, it, being the guy yeah. throwing rocks. Yeah. I, it's just not who I am. And you know what? I, although I, I, I'm not that comfortable either, but I've, I, sometimes I enjoy it. But, <laughs> but honestly, it's not comfortable. Sometimes you just kind of go, gee, did I go too far? So let me ask, mm -hmm. ask you that question too, Grant, the same question about, yeah. do you think you need to be sometimes more aggressive and, and also work inside? Do you think that both are valid or not? Well, you know, it's really an interesting question because it's something I've been thinking about a lot over the past few weeks, um, just in the context of how a person's role in the community is sometimes defined by the limits of what they're able to say and do in public. And so to me, I absolutely think that it's kind of like a game of chess and there are some pieces that are more versatile and can move across the entire board, which is absolutely important. By the same token, there are some people who kind of move in smaller steps, sometimes not as their influence isn't as visible, but every piece comes together to form a sort of check and balance on the uh, regulatory apparatus, the lawmakers, the industry. I just think sometimes the different pieces don't talk to each other and it can lead to tension. So I always like to see more, even if it's behind the scenes, community engagement so that people at least know where they're coming from as to their position on the board. Awesome. That's what I try to uh, hope, hope this show represents because we do get a lot of phone calls, a lot of different guests. Sometimes they don't all agree either, if you noticed over the last few weeks, and I think we've given people room. I want to ask you all one more question, especially Sean and Grant. Do you think that poll that we put out, because we basically asked for her job in that poll. We said, do you think we should ask for Britt, Mc, Britt, Mc, Britt McBride's to resign? And uh, do you think that was fair? I, honest, I want you to be honest. I'm not going to be offended if you say no. Grant and Sean. Grant, you go first. <laughs> I, have my, I have my answer, but I'll wait till you hear what you say. Um, do I think it was fair? I think that the nature of being a public figure and in particular a state official taking a public salary is that you're subject to criticism of your job performance. So I think that you didn't 
threaten anyone. You were not offensive, rude, or violent. Uh, you simply said that you felt her position was worthy of resigning. I am somewhat and sympathetic to Commissioner McBride's position, which is that, as you know, each seat on the commission is designated to represent a certain type of interest in the law. And she happened to be appointed to the public safety seat. And so I get the tension there. But also, I believe her when she says she's taken steps to do things that the public safety folks wouldn't like, because it was actually Commissioner McBride who helped facilitate delivery for micro businesses, which is something that was not going to happen under her initial proposal. So I see, even though I see the criticism, and I think your call for her to resign, if you feel that way, is fair. I also see that she sometimes is put in a difficult position, and I don't think that she's necessarily always operating in bad faith. There you go. I agree with pretty much everything you just said, Grant, because I have sympathy for her, too. I look at her as a, a, a woman, and number one, too, so I feel bad when I do go after you know a woman like that. But at the same time, I feel like she was ignoring a community and that they have an opportunity to express when we run a poll like that how they feel and that's not me voting 40 times or 50 times you know so we ran a poll on twitter and we ran a poll on facebook and i'm sure some of her friends especially on twitter voted one way and uh and some of those were good people actually too and but when you looked at you know the facebook community especially people were not it was like 99 percent wanted her to resign and you know, I'm not saying that she should resign. I'm not saying that it's even valid. But I think that she should understand that people are upset. And there's a good reason that people are upset, number one. And I think that she has not acknowledged it enough. And I don't think that she has um, felt the reason why. Like, kind of reached out and said, you know what? Maybe we should uh, next time consider not banning the press. You know? And not acting like a nutcase when people bring it up. Like, uh, to me, some of the things seem nutty from the NCIA and Britt McBride over this whole stupid controversy. Shouldn't have even been a controversy. Mm -hmm. The forum would have actually been pretty damn good if they had just let a few young ladies, too. And that's the other thing that bothers me. You know, I say I feel bad, you know, picking on Britt Brit McBride because she's a woman. Well, I feel bad that the NCIA... And, uh, you know, Britt McBride excluded these young, mostly women, female reporters that we love and respect who have done a damn good job, some of them. Naomi, you know, uh, the, the uh, Jessica Bartlett from Boston Business Journal. They, these are good reporters, and they're, they're actually doing great work, and I don't think that they should have been excluded. And I don't know if Dan Adams got excluded, but he sh shouldn't have got excluded. He actually decided not to do uh, his panel the next day because of this BS. So... I feel like I, uh, for once, should support the press on this. And sometimes I attack the press and go after them for their coverage. But I don't think that they should have been excluded. And I think I would have liked to, and I think a lot of other people would have liked them there, reporting on what was said and done at this hearing. Fair enough. <laughs> Grant, you still there? Yeah, I was just interested to hear what, uh, what Sean had to say, because I agree with uh, a lot of what you just said there, Mike. I, so, yeah. Um, I'm going to echo a lot of what Grant, uh, Grant said. Um, I'd like to, I would never tell you um, an action you took is wrong. If you, if you believed in it, then okay. Um, I didn't vote on it. Um, 
and I didn't because I had a, I had a chance to speak with Commissioner McBride, um, and she's a nice person, and I, I do kind of understand, you know, the predicament she's in, the chair that she's in, uh, in, in the job that she has to do. Um, it pains me to say that, you know, look, I think I should preface this by saying I wanted marijuana treated like tomatoes right. from the very beginning. Yes. That's not the world we live in. Sure. Uh, we lost miserably. It, it, I, I collected signatures, you know, five, six years ago for BSR and that failed. And so now we're, we're stuck with this regulatory scheme and she is in the public uh, safety chair. And if we want more things, we have to work with her. Sure. Um, so and I, I see that too. But I, I hope that she hears me and comes on the show. Because for me, like, you know, I think anyone that has been uh, adversarial with me or been on the butt end of, you know, especially when it comes to like things like this policy, politics, actions, I think they're always best served by sitting across the table from me. Yeah, because I become a lot nicer. So, right, you know, same here, man. It's same natural. I, it's yep. So I, I hope she does take us up and, and has more conversation, not just on Twitter, not just responding when I send a reporter in. Uh, thank you, Rachel Ramon, uh, for getting that those questions answered that were featured in the Boston Globe this week in Weed. Thank you, Grant, for the phone call. Anything else you want to add before we let you go? Uh, no, thank you very much for letting me uh, take part in the panel, and I'll just say uh, fundamentally on the issue of access for reporters, I think, I hope, everyone can come together and understand why people like Dan Adams, yourself, myself, took that issue so seriously. So thank you for the time, Mike. Thank you, Grant Smith. Thanks, Grant man. Smith Bye. Ellis, we're calling you now. <laughs> There's a story behind that, but Grant and I know, 617-702-2542, that was Grant Smith Ellis, I'm, I'm changing it up now today. Well, maybe we'll tell that story sometime in the future. There's a lot of things to tell in the future. I'm working on something right now uh, on revolutionary clinics. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to read this. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> People, ever since I put that camera in, uh, you know, the uh, I forgot his name now. The the guy Cooper. from yeah, the guy from revolutionary clinics. Uh, I put a camera in his face and asked some questions. Um, and I got an answer, and I said, if, if, you, if they're not telling the truth, I'm going to find out, and I'm going to expose it. And so I've been researching like crazy, and I got a lot of information to share with the world. And the thing is, I don't even know where to start. That's where I'm at. Like, I just waited. There's a few more threads to follow up on. But I'm just looking at some of the material, and I'm like, wow, this may be several stories. It's still going to be difficult to nail everything down the way people want it, but I'm just going to tell it. And if you want to read it first, midnightmass.substack.com is the way you get that. Make sure you put your email in there. And if you want, if you want to make sure you don't miss anything, $5 a month, you get everything. But you can also get most of it, 99.999% for free. So just put your email in there. Uh, who's on the phone? We got another call, Murphy? Yeah, who's on the line? Right Robert. Now? Robert, what's up, man? Yeah, so uh, I'm up in Salem, and... I'm kind of on the ground, and we've had a lot of problems. We had a pay-for-play pay situation up here. Well, I don't know if you know about you, that. you've been saying this, but I haven't seen any evidence of this, so I, I'm... I can, send you the, I can send you the links. I mean, no, literally, there's an article in the Salem News where the guy who got it says, I sweetened the pot by giving more money to charity, because I did that to sweeten the pot. I mean, and the feds have subpoenaed them. But, but the feds have subpoenaed everyone, though. Uh, they didn't subpoena everybody, is my understanding. Um, but we can talk about that later. My concern is kind of 
how, uh, you know, I think there's been a lot of regulatory capture yes. going on in, in Massachusetts overall. It's, you know, there's people who are already maxed out on their licenses from out of state. Nobody local can get anything ever, you know. Um, and my concern with this kind of talk about the uh, going after this, the black market, one, nobody is answering the, doing the obvious, which is you just open more stores. You know, you, you bring it, and that will bring the price down, and nobody's going to want to go to the black market because right now we have the highest price on weed, I think, in the country. Um, yeah. That, that's part yeah, of, I mean, I think we agree. I think that we've yeah. seen some progress there, right? Well, that was Remember? part. That was definitely part of my panel's yeah. uh, recommendations. Was look, yeah, more opportunities means more stores. <laughs> like, you know, Oklahoma used to have the death penalty for weed. They've opened up two thousand stores in eighteen months. <laughs> we've gotten less than fifty in eight years. Right, it's insane. It seems like the um, state is finally starting to really. You know, crank it up a little bit. You know, we've seen Andrew Muddy's group start. They've gotten some notification. Ed uh, D'Souza got approved. Uh, Leah Green, who was going nuts, got approved. So, like, we're starting to see some of the smaller guys get approved on the state level yep. uh, after we all complained and went nuts on them. And after we've been doing show after show after show on this, the problem I'm seeing now is what you're talking about, too, Robert, and what uh, we want to, you know, talk to these two gentlemen much more about is what's happening on the city level. Because if you can't get a hearing, a host community uh, hearing, if you can't get a host uh, community agreement, then you don't even get to the state level. It's, it's, it's just right. it's clogged up. So we're going to talk more about that. Um, I would also ask you, Robert, to send me what you're talking about in Salem because I haven't seen it, and I would like to see yeah. more. You know how to get in touch with me, right? Uh, yeah, I do, and uh, I'll send that to you. And I also just want to say, you know, that's, the regulatory capture thing is where I worry about this, even if they're talking taxes – to stop the black market, it w I worry it'll be weaponized, right. like the whole approval process has. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Robert, some of the stuff I'm hearing about and seeing out there, they're doing stuff like, you know, buying up real estate to control who's going to get the next license. There's yep. a lot of that going on. There's a lot of secret ownership. We're going to be looking at a lot more of this stuff. So definitely send my send me uh, what you got. And yeah. you guys want to comment on anything else that he's saying? I, I guess, I, yeah, I mean, in, in general, uh, I think a lot of people who are involved, like when you think about the illicit market stuff, a lot of people, I don't know, I think it's a bigger issue than just do people want to buy. Like people don't have jobs and the illicit market's an opportunity that doesn't require the kind of background checks that the jobs is. I don't know. There's a lot of issues I think to them that, that overlap with this, with the cannabis industry that are, are like beyond just like, um, black supply and demand, um, that Money. I think folks need to think yeah. about, about but, jobs, um, right? Yeah. Like jobs, jobs, access, to jobs. access to jobs. Anyone like, can get into it. Uh, economic right. insecurity, like in neighborhoods, um, lack <laughs> of yeah economic development, people, you know, a lot of young people look to weed, not only cause it's a great thing to get high off of, but because it's, yeah, there's a big populist market that you can make a lot of money off of. Um, but yeah, I don't think I think then bringing into the equation the uh, you know the ability to tax people and I just I mean people already been criminalized. It sounds like the war on drugs right. again. You know, let's right. put them in more debt. Right, right. they have student <laughs> loans. They're not paying enough rent. They're yeah. not right. paying enough right. for health insurance. Just, let's go right. after them for another thing. Right, for I'd selling like, weed to get by. Yeah, I'd like to see the CCC revisit um, their exclusion of people with quote-unquote violent felonies 
Yeah. And, you know, it, it, guns are cultural, white and black. You know, I did time with white guys that were, you know, podunk, old country boys, growing weed up in uh, upstate Maine that, that had rifles and shotguns because that's how they fed themselves. You know, and, and Armani can yeah, speak to... Uh, yeah. Uh, his community and why they have guns. It's, yeah. it's a cultural thing. It's, and it's, it's like you'd rather, gotta, be, you'd rather gotta, be judged you know, by, by 12 than carried by six. Yeah. You know, that's, right. that's the yeah. saying. It's like I'd rather, you know, and go if, in front if of you, a jury. You know, if you, if you have so. growing cannabis too, there's an obvious self-protection to have a gun. Of course. Because people, you know, you're not just worried about the cops, you're worried about the robbers too. So, right. Right. I mean, I think this stuff with the guns too, I mean, any of this stuff, we, we need to get people back to work and let them have ownership and especially to move on. Like, it's one thing if it happened yesterday. Right. Another thing if it happened 20 years ago and now you're 50 Well, it's years one old. thing if you shot somebody with the gun. Right. If right. you just have it on you, yeah. how does that constitute right. as violence? Exactly. Right. We've held like a job fair myself um, as a member of the this group, uh, advocacy group, Equitable Opportunities Now. And we've held like a job fair to allow people from Roxbury, Dorchester, Mattapan, communities of color that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. And a ton of people come out excited for jobs, you know, with background knowledge about the industry, both illicit, well, mostly illicit, but then the, the barriers that they have a gun charge associated with it. And it's, yeah, I think the, they're le like the, there's barriers to access that are gonna make it really hard to actually address the, the issues that I think voters went and supported question four on years So back. we can definitely so, do better by changes of maybe Way things. better, man, uh, way better. Thank Honestly, you, yeah. Robert, for calling. Oh, he's gone, good. Uh, we got another call, 617-702-2542. I saw, heard some people calling in. Uh, call back. We missed your call. 617-702-2542 is our phone number. Uh, we got two uh, great guests right now. We got Marnie White from EVG Farm, Farms. We got Sean Birdie also with EVG Farms. They're hoping to open a cannabis dispensary uh, in Boston, Hyde Park Avenue in Hyde Park. Um, who's on the phone right now? Who's coughing all over? <laughs> Who's smoking one. up some weed today? Hey, it's Lady J. Oh, of course you are, Lady J. Of course you're smoking, right? Are you, what are you? Are you smoking, vaping? What are you doing? I actually am smoking, but I also have a little bit of a cold. Oh, we feel hope better. you feel better. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So I called in to say hello and to make a couple of comments. Um, I kind of just got on, started listening a little bit ago, and I noticed that you were talking about, um, first and foremost, um, not having media at that convention and at that forum. And uh, frankly... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're, you're breaking up. We hear you for yep. a second. You're like moving your phone or something. What's going on? Nope. Can you hear me? Yeah, now we can. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah, we can. Perfect. Okay. So I wanted to first and foremost comment and say that I agree with you, Mike. I feel like the media should have been allowed, um, especially if it was open to the public. I don't, I don't think that's right, that they would just let any, you know, not let the media in, not let, you know, select people in because that's how they want it. You can't throw a public event and say you're not welcome. Um the other thing I want to comment is... Well, let me um, just add, it was like a ticketed event. I mean, it's, you know, they do control who goes in and out. Any event that's like ticketed is kind of private, but it's open to the public if they buy a ticket, I guess, right? No, that, no, no, it was invite only. Okay, so actually, that's a good question. So this was invite only. You, like, you couldn't oh, go okay. unless you were invited. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I had no clue. I thought it was like a NECAN type of event where, 
you bought your tickets and anybody can get in. Yeah, this um, was, this was invite hand picked is what I called it. That's right. You're right. It's invite only <laughs> well, or hand picked. That's kind of sketchy. Yeah. That's kind of sketchy. You know, um, blocking the community out of a of any kind of informational session is, is not right. We weren't invited, um, were we, Lady J? No. No. <laughs> no, not at all. And in fact, I didn't even know about it until it was going on. Yeah. And then I was reading people's comments about uh, how even patients were getting yelled at about smoking, even though they allowed cigarette smoking. Um, it, as far as I'm concerned, and as I know, Massachusetts state law says that if you're a legal patient, you can smoke your medicine where c- cigarettes are allowed. Outside. Right. So, exactly. So right. I, I was hearing a, a lot about patients getting yelled at uh, through the weekend and, and um, not enjoying the, the event because of it. I got in with my weed. No, she's talking about outside. Really? She's talking <laughs> yeah. about outside. Where everyone congregates on the Heinz. They, they searched my bags. Yeah. It, was, it was a lot more security than I ever remember at the Heinz. Yeah. Um, but no, they let me in with my weed. She's talking about outside, though. Oh, There's outside? Oh. Yeah, people I was stuck in yeah, Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm. Anything else you want to bring up today? Well, um, in all honesty, yeah. I, I, you guys were talking about the CCC. You were talking about Commissioner McBride. Um, I, I do agree and understand that they, they do a lot of work. It's complicated work, but they're letting the community down. And because of that, and they're, because they're letting everybody down in the community that's trying to start small business, that is trying to boost our local economy, um, I really feel like there needs to be some changes maybe in the lineup of the CCC and who's sitting in those chairs. Um, I feel like maybe some people that are a little more educated and weed focused might be able to get the job done a little more efficiently. And uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to know how you guys felt about uh, about the timeline and about maybe you know going and calling our representatives and saying that we need to switch up in the CCC. Yeah, I'm I'm like I would love to see it in some respects, but I'm afraid in a way. Like if the because, you know, if they take out McBride, the way this, this government operates, they're going to put someone in way worse. That's what I'm afraid of because she is the, like The Shana devil said, you know. She's the law enforcement person. So they're going to be like, you know what, let's find the, the, let's find, why don't we put that police chief from Walpole on there, the one that's really hates weed. Like, because right. I don't think McBride, McBride hates weed like he does. Um, but, you know, part of me wishes that you were correct that, we could just replace all these people with good people. And I think the only way that can happen is if people get really mad and start like really harassing the governor and the AG. And it's not just me, you know what I'm saying? So it needs to be a movement. It needs to scare the crap out of them. So they start rethinking it. Well, I feel like it's coming at least from what I'm hearing in my circles in the community. I feel like the uproar is coming because a lot of people are pissed off. Well, it's three people. They got to contact the governor. The Attorney General Mara Healy, and uh, okay. what is treasurer. it? The Treasurer, the U, the uh, not the U.S. the Mass Treasurer Deb Goldberg. So they need to contact those offices and say, we want you to appoint people only who support cannabis, who get what's going on, who aren't you know reefer mad, who are the ones that are with the people who voted yes on it. So I think that's what people need to do. Exactly, I agree with that one hundred percent. Well, thank you guys for letting me call. I hope you guys have a great night, and I'm going to continue to watch in. Thank you. I, I also got a question for you, though, Lady J. Okay. I always have questions for our guests, too, since they, I mean, our callers. Since they have questions for us, I've got to give you a question back. 
But do you, you did you listen to AF? Were you a AF listener? Yes, yes, I was. Um, so in the nineties, I definitely ran with the the grunge crowd, the harder rock crowd. Um, I absolutely adored AF. Um, I absolutely loved Carmelita's show because uh, it came from the local music scene myself. So I could hear friends' bands with their new music and different people coming out into the scene that I've never heard of. Uh, I absolutely love AAF, and I'm really kind of depressed and honestly kind of sad to see them go. They were an institution in our state, and there's not going to be anything else like it ever again. Thank you. Thank you for uh, voicing that. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Mike, anytime. Thank you guys so much. Have a good night. You too. I love you, Lady Bye-bye. J. Thanks for your calls. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye now. She reps patience. She's a local. I, I really like her a lot. I'm glad she calls the show. Uh, that was Lady J. Um, someone better make sure, too, uh, from the New England Cannabis Convention, there are friends that she gets on this competition. She keeps posting about it. She wants to be, I think she wants to judge the flower in their competition. Better get her on there. Are you talking about the uh, Harvest Cup? No, no, the other one. The uh, New England Cannabis Convention. They're doing oh. a competition, oh. too. Really? Yeah. So I keep seeing her reposting that on Facebook. They gotta, they better be listening. Nikan, Mark at Nikan. Send him a message right now and say, they, everyone in our audience, send Mark at Nikan. It's spelled with M-A-R-C. Say, Mark, we need to get Lady J on this competition for, for the uh, cam- cannabis competition. I'll I do think it. She wants to do the flowers. Me too. Yeah, you'll do it too. Everyone wants in on that, but I want to make sure. No, Lady I'll do J. it for Lady J. Yeah, you'll do yeah, it for yeah. Lady J. That's right. what, yeah, that's what I'm right. into. Oh, right, cool. You I'm guys are awesome. I'm no judge. I'm well, everyone wants to be a judge except for right. me. I'm, right. I always say no to that stuff. Yeah. I don't. You like me? Um, yeah. Well, I'm like I'm, I'm not qualified. Jury guy. I'm I think it's all great. That's what yeah, I always right, say. Right, right, it's yeah. all good. <laughs> the free stuff's the best. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like Lady J too on WAF. I'm glad she commented on it. We have another caller. And I haven't. I keep wanting to get back to Boston with you guys. We're gonna get back we'll to get Boston. We'll get there. All yeah. right. Who's on the phone right now? It's Goldie. Oh, Goldie, we love you. What's up, Gold? Another. We love our callers. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are here. I love Goldie, listening. Hi, Goldie Piff. Go ahead. Hey. Oh, hey, I'm Goldie. So I had to call and comment about the convention. A, the fact that there were no minorities on the panel. Um, bothered me i'm not sure about that meeting. sean were there minorities on the panel I, that's one thing i that's the first question i asked when i was invited is is look i'm not going to sit on a panel full of white guys in suits um so mm-hmm. so my panel uh was me uh it was a multi-state operator chris crane uh it was uh, the last prisoner project sarah gersten it was jason ortiz from the minority cannabis business association Seyun and I'm, I'm forgetting his last Edu? name. Come again? Is Shagun Idu? Not Shagun, oh. Seyun. Oh. S-E-U-N. He's, um, he's, he started his own um, cannabis brand um, that's multi-state now as well. And Cresco uh-huh. um, Labs. So we did uh, have some owns, Oh, it was, it was, it was So we had lot, a lot of minorities A lot there. of representation. Go ahead, Goldie. Yes. We do, so we're confirming there were definitely worse okay, minorities. Okay, so where we're talking about the illicit market and then the fact that, A, we know, I know I go back to this every time, but the black community was most harmed. You're trying to build a relationship and get our people on board with the idea of the cannabis industry. But when they do closed-door meetings like that and 
with the police, it just it's not going to sit well with the community. What is there that has to be hidden? They could have the reporters there and, you know, you can't give names of who's saying what. You could have done things completely different. And I feel like McBride should have took a, took a stand on that and literally just called it out. Instead, I felt like she gave some fluffed up answer. And, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like she needs to be doing more reaching out to the community. Do you have a safety officer? Do you come into our town and do these meetings? We'd love to have her. I always see Shailene or Jeff. We do have other commissioners come right. into these areas that are affected before you set some damn laws that are going to affect my community. That's right. It's, this is just pushing me right to the edge, I swear to you. I hear you. We were out today trying to recruit more people from our community to get in. I walked up and down Blue Hill Lab with my daughter um, just talking about cannabis, not about my business, about the industry. We need people to wake up and understand what the hell is going on here. I but agree. I'm sorry for the rant. I'm no, tired. I love it. No, no, no. We love you. Hell, Good work. Hell, yeah. Goldie. Pep. Thank you. Thank Gold, you for doing yeah, that. And Goldie, uh, I would love to see uh, McBride come on the show. I don't uh, think she will. And I answer hope the calls. She does. Yeah, I don't I think, think she. I don't think she can she handle the calls. She belongs answering us, and not these little snippets or someone else answering for her. I just thought that was like what? Listen, the question was asked to her. She should have responded to part one and two. So I just felt like it was a cop-out, and we deserve better. We pay her salary. This is something we're all supposed to be in together. So it shouldn't be any closed-door, quiet shit. But okay, guys, I'm out. Thank you, Goldie. Thanks. Keep up the good work, too. Yeah. She's awesome. That's that's how, um, well, no, we, we, we met before, but... Um, we met doing advocacy, really. We met yeah. through, we, my money and I met through advocacy. We, we, we helped sign people up for the economic empowerment program. Um, and then we kind of looked at each other and were like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe we can do this. And it's so it's uh, good things come from advocacy. 617-702-2542. I agree 100%. Because that's, you know, how I started in all of, the, all of this. Sometimes you're advocating for a band. That's how I really started. I, I just like my friend's band and I knew clubs. I used to go to bars and... I, I could book them, and I started booking them, and then I came across some causes I like, cannabis being number one. And here I am all these years later with all of this life experience. And a lot, most of it was for free, honestly, but it's so worth the experience to, you know, uh, even in business and marketing and everything. Uh, so I, I in, especially the relationship. So I think people should chase it, especially when you're young. Mm. Go after it. Don't worry about it. Right. Get the experience. Sometimes the experience is the most important part for later when you know what to do with it. And, and your body starts falling apart in your forties. That's what happened to me. <laughs> Same here. I slow down now. That's but why I'm, I'm running now. Yeah. Run, so yeah. I can jog when I'm older. And I write about all the shit I learned and all the people I know. So I I didn't know anybody in my twenties, but now I know quite a few. Six one seven seven zero two two five four two, and some of them know me, and I don't know them, which I really like. That's because of the show mostly, and because of the things that we write. But call in if, you, if you're a first time caller. I think everyone. No, actually, do we have a first time caller? No, Robert's probably called in before. I don't think we've had a first time caller today. If we do get a first time caller, I will send you a uh, Young Jerks T-shirt. How's that sound? You pick the size. You let me know, 
and we'll send you. If anyone calls, this is a challenge right now to our listeners. You've got to be a first-time caller. Call in, 617-702-2542. You get a free T-shirt. All the old-time callers are going to be mad now because they're like, <laughs> where's my T-shirt? They're never going to call now. But I wait. think most of them have T-shirts. <laughs> maybe, it, maybe if you can talk me into it and you're a regular caller, you can call in and tell me why you, you deserve the T-shirt. Many of them already have them. EVG Farms, uh, you guys open at 883 High Park Avenue, hopefully, in hopefully, Hyde Park, Mass. Hopefully. But you, ha- you don't have a host community agreement. No. What is going on? What do you think about Boston right now? They've... they've restarted everything i'm i'm equal parts uh frustrated and understanding right that if i'm frustrated because you know we, we've got our stuff together we're ready but i understand what is being done um this is being set up for the future you know there are going to be other things coming down the line delivery social consumption you know uh, uh, who knows what's gonna you know um how this industry will play out in this state or city um and the the equity ordinance that was passed in november sets it up so that it's equitable um so even though i've been ready and frustrated at the lack of traction um i i get it you know i understand it it's it's for the it's for those that are in similar situations that are, you know, and maybe, you know, what I would like to see is that um, because we waited this long, that I hope that it pays off for somebody getting out of jail, you know? Now, how long do you think you're going to have to wait longer to get this host community agreement? Do you have any... Hopefully we get it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, tomorrow would be nice. I, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know, Mike. I, I have no idea. We're in the dark. Um, how long am I going to have to have you guys and Chauncey... Because I've had Chauncey on so many times now. And it's just, I, I'm telling the city of Boston, I'm not giving up on this. I'm going to keep having you guys back on right. until they start greenlighting some of you guys who definitely deserve it. I I, I don't think we're the only ones that deserve it. You know? yeah. I, I, well, I think I, there's so a whole lot of you. It's, it's, yeah, there's a, there's a ton of people that deserve mm-hmm. a chance at this. Um, more, more than that, more. And that's the thing. I keep more than they're going to give out. So if they don't, right. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's almost impossible to, to give like, like you said, to or, or to really to even if I mean, it's I think it's a bigger than a city of Boston issue. Like I said, you know, I think it's a it's a grander, bigger issue about society, and who knows what things will look like too. You know, depending on who ends up winning for president. You know, people are talking about legalizing marijuana and descheduling it and reparations. Reparations, you know what I mean? I'm we, down. I'm down for reparations. <laughs> as am yeah. I. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so I told you know the things are we don't know what it look like, but I think there's a lot of people. We're blessed to have been ready as soon as we, as fast as we were, because we're pretty smart guys, you know. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, there's a ton of people who also need to see, like, also need to benefit. And so it's like a weird thing where you're like, I want mine tomorrow, but right. okay, I understand. Like, I get it. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm not an equity advocate. We met through advocacy, like helping other people get the economic empowerment certification that we have that allows us to um, hopefully like move more quickly through the process. Let me ask you another so, question about Boston, because right now, as I understand it. They still have the half mile buffer zone, right? Yes. Yes. So what that means, you know, in Boston, which is highly congested area, it's not like a lot of you know cities out west where you have miles and miles of land. Mm. It's it's very congested. You know, there are different neighborhoods in Boston, but you know, basically there's a half mile buffer zone. So if you're a Patriot Care and Downtown Crossing already open, no dispensary can open you open near you within a half uh, a half, half mile hour. radius around you. Right. 
So that excludes a lot of spots <coughs> yeah, immediately. And there's already some dispensaries open, and there's already some dispensaries that have gotten the early approval. Um, are you guys worried about that? Or do you think that that should be, like, the number one focus for Kim Janey and Mayor Walsh and all these other city councilors to get rid of that half-mile buffer zone? Yeah, it's a, t- it's a tough topic. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, so Not in a very long one time. One thing that's we, been brought up is that they do it for economic empowerment, that they Cambridge. get rid of the buffer zone. Yeah, I think that's in Cambridge. Right. I think they've already done that mm-hmm. in some areas, but I think that was discussed in Boston, too. I think or that might be uh, something that could happen. What do you think about that? Just I think, I mean, uh, as an idea, I think it's a great idea, but um, we live in Massachusetts. This This isn't a liberal state. It's a puritanical state. They're going to do this very slowly, as we've seen. Yeah, some cities. Some you think they yeah. should though. Like uh, uh, honestly, do you think the half mile buffer zone is an impediment and should go? Like if you if you had power, would you get rid of it? Well, I mean, I think every I think this whole industry is an impediment to addressing the drug war. So quite, yes, quite honestly, get rid of the, it. The half mile <laughs> answer the question. <laughs> yes or no? Yes. All right, and you? Amar? Same. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm one like as a community organizer, I I get the concern people have around having a lot of um, like I hear the concern. I guess I should say, and I understand a lot of the concern about having. A lot of marijuana stores in one area. In That's one what area. their concern is. Or just and yeah, yeah, in one area, in a similar way that you see a lot of like liquor stores in a certain neighborhood, and marijuana and and alcohol are seen on the same playing, like on the same field, and the same like, causing the same harm. And there needs to be a lot of discussion to kind of sh- explain the or to see that to show the difference. And I think marijuana stores have to like prove that they. It's it's sad that it's the situation, but we kind of like the industry has to prove that it's not going to do what people think is going to happen right and i think you know yes ideally the world in the world that we don't exist in i think yes we should we should and then in the world that we do exist in i still think we should but i understand that there'd be a lot of people upset about it and the politicians right are representatives of the people they're not just uh demagogues or people with solutions and their people do have a split kind of uh perspective on this issue and where like yeah, so you know what I mean. Like yeah. people, politicians are, are are hearing the same way that as a community organizer, the different um, perspectives. I hear people who are like, "Yes, we need them everywhere." At like peddlers' license, open every block corner, like farmers profuse. markets. Yeah, farmers markets, Be awesome. whole, everywhere. You I know what I mean? It. I would love it. And then there's people who are like, you know, we no. don't we don't need any liquor stores. We need to get the liquor stores out. Yeah. Of, like, and it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, like, yeah. okay, I now, hear you. Now, one of the big things we we are uh, about to drop a story on midnightmass.substack.com. Uh, an interview that I did with Noni uh, Goldman um, that's going to be coming out for Four Trees. And one of the you know questions we're talking about, and one of the things I really like about her is she presents so much education and information about cannabis. And that seems to me like kind of the new frontier. Like it's the old frontier too, but it's like never changed. Like the biggest thing we need is, like you said, to prove it. But once you prove it, you kind of have to make sure that people are aware of it. You know what I mean? Because like, sometimes I think we have proved these models. Mm. But people just, they're in the old mm. mindset. Even right. even yeah. myself yeah. sometimes. Like when I think about how the laws have changed, right. I forget, oh, the law changed. I don't have to worry. I can give someone some weed who's 21 plus. Like mm. I don't have to worry about it. Mm. You know, so I think that uh, education is like the biggest thing in cannabis. And I think it's going to be really hot. Whereas we've so focused on licenses and we're so focused on, you know, just getting open. I think on the long term, education is going to be yeah. the big hot thing. Do you agree with me I, on I, that? hundred yeah. percent. You know, um, the where we're trying to locate in High Park, uh, um, we, we, I, I've started going to I started going to the neighborhood meetings 
years ago, knowing what I was going to do. And the only people that go to neighborhood meetings, and this is across the city, this isn't this isn't just specific to one particular neighborhood. They're the ones that don't want anything right. in their neighborhood, yeah. right? They're we're, there to make we call sure. Them NIMBY. Right, no, right, right. Not well, in my the, backyard. Right, exactly. And they're there to make sure nothing gets done. Nothing gets done. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. They want to live the same way they've always lived, and 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 change is very difficult for them. But one thing, and, and if anybody's listening um, that, that, that is trying to or wants to get into the industry, one of the biggest impacts I think I've had as an entrepreneur is to go to these meetings and never miss one. Yeah. You know, you don't have to say anything your first meeting. You get to know people. That's Eventually, you get to know people. And, and the, it's, it's tough so for them to say no so to your funny. face. You know, I saw the other day, uh, we at Revolutionary, you know, we, we're going we gotta to end the show right now, actually, but we... Um, had the revolutionary clinics thing going on yeah and we showed up the hearing and a lot of us advocates didn't want to see them get their licensing because they're screwing over the economic empowerment and a lot of the shady things that i've seen and the questions that we have for them but uh it was so funny to see for me someone who is exactly what you're talking about in cambridge who years ago when we first started to try to open the medical dispensaries he was against us right and now that he knows us and knows what it's about, has been educated, he was voting, he was there to testify for revolutionary clinics to get their license. And it, that which takes, is funny. It takes it, time. It just, yeah. It takes it's like he voted against me both times, but I was proud of him because he came over to, he, he realizes that cannabis isn't something to be fearful of anymore. Right. So we, we just keep going. And sometimes they need to know you and hear your story and That's see it. who you are and get familiar with you and get comfortable right. with you. What, can I just say one thing before we know end? know that you care about the city as much as they do. Right. One thing before we end. I, had, um, I, I have this terrible um, reservation about speaking my story to people I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know. And especially when you go to these community meetings where most people are old and white. And I'm and I I'm like oh man it's the other was my my, gran my grandmother doesn't want to hear that I went to prison like and now I'm trying to open up a business in her neighborhood that's <laughs> that's not what they want to hear at least that was my mindset you'd be surprised when people started finding out about my my background that's when they started coming up and saying hey I'm really glad you're the one trying to get in the spot open in High Park and you know I hope the best and what can I do can I can I write a letter of support and then they just started flooding. You know, people really took to us. And, and it just takes time, unfortunately. Thank you. Sean, that's Sean Birdie. Uh, the company is EVG Farms. Do you guys have like a website, Facebook and all that? Or anything? Um, it, yeah. It's, it's yeah. being built, but it, uh, you can go to evgfarms.com. Yeah. It's not as nice as it could be, but it's there. Yeah, it's there. It's, it's begun. Our faces, <laughs> our headshots. Right. And right. EVG farms is short for evergreen yes. yes so people you know if they you can don't understand my the way i pronounce my words sometimes yeah. my letters <laughs> evergreen hector victor, victor golf yeah. yeah there you go and uh so we, and we're hoping that uh tons of people come out when you finally do get this host community oh, yeah. agreement hearing and uh, you're going to be opening in hyde park hopefully 883 hyde park avenue Hopefully, make that happen. If you're in Hyde Park, you know what to do. Contact your city councilors. Yes, please. Let them know that you want to see this happen in Hyde Park. Uh, we're the Young Jerks. We're over our time. We, we had a little extra set up today, but uh, we really want to thank our listeners, our supporters, everyone who's been calling in over the weeks. I want to thank Grant for calling in, Robert, Lady J, Goldie Piff. I want to thank you always for your phone calls. Uh, if you missed it, Put it in your phone for next week. 617-702-2542 is our phone number. We're here every Sunday 
at 5 p.m., 5 p.m.-ish. But next Sunday, we're actually taking off. Right, Murphy? You got a big event? Yes. We're taking it off for Murphy, but I kind of wanted to take it off anyway. So it's like a perfect timing thing. So we're getting Sunday off. We're going to take one off next week. But we'll be back in two weeks. Um, and pretty much here just about every Sunday. We haven't taken a Sunday off in a while. So I want to thank everyone for supporting us. Again, our website is midnightmass.substack.com. We got a lot of content. We just released Sean Birdie's story, Illicit Market Summit. Uh, Bars Press includes local uh, locals who are incarcerated. That's the story. Check it out. Uh, we're going to have a new one from Noni up very soon. And a lot more from Revolutionary Clinics, uh, our expose that people can't wait for. Make sure you subscribe. Put your email there. And I want to thank everyone who's uh, following us on Twitter, at The Young Jerks, and on Facebook, and in our Facebook groups. But I also want to ask that if you're following or subscribing on iTunes or listening to one of these podcast services, that you make sure that you subscribe, like, and review, especially on iTunes. That does help us get more listeners in the algorithm. Um, and if you miss us and you watch a little bit of the clip and you want to listen later on, you know, maybe at work, on a lunch break, driving to work, up and back, check us out. We're on every podcast app you can find, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. If you look for it, we're there. Tune in. We're everywhere. So make sure you uh, subscribe and, and you're not missing any of the content. All right, I'm Mike Crawford. We're checking out. I want to thank, again, uh, Sean Bertie for being here. Bertie. Thanks for having us, Mike. And I want to thank Armani White for being here. Thank as you, well. Mike. Thank Pleasure you. To be on here, and man. he's running for office again. You can vote for vote Armani White on March third. It's a white four dsc dot com. Uh, check out the website too. On Facebook too. There you go. March third, right, right below all the presidents when you go to vote. Holler at me. Elect Armani. Flat out. Do it. Structural change. Exactly. We'll see you. And he's got a lot of other issues, too, that he, he works on. I could tell probably uh, housing because it says anti-gentrification youth activists. Is there? Yeah, we're, we're big into housing. So check him out. Hey, yeah. we'll be back on. We'll talk more. Yeah, we'll be back uh, in two weeks. Young right. Jerk, see you later, folks. Peace. Bye.